Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome back. Another episode here, guys, and welcome back to the last show of 2021. Happy New Year out there, everybody. 2022 is on the horizon, and we are real excited. As a matter of fact, uh, the NFL games this week, yeah, they are going to be played in 2022. So it's kind of our last show of 2021, but our first show of 2022. Hope everybody does have a happy and healthy New Year out there. And oftentimes people kind of just say that, but I really mean it because we've had a terrible two years as a country, as a world. So let's get back on track here. And and that kind of is the theme here once again, unfortunately. It is COVID cancellations, COVID problems, COVID injuries, COVID issues, COVID, COVID. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. But as a sports handicapper, look, we could use that to our advantage. We could kind of uh, sit back and, and take advantage of that and some of these line moves that we do see early in the week and some of the line moves that we will be seeing with some reactions. So let's dive right into it right away. Indianapolis, Las Vegas. Yeah, we got some COVID problems, right? Carson Wentz looks like he's going to be out. A couple of the offensive linemen for the Colts and the Colts are getting hit with some COVID problems. I don't think anybody would be looking at Las Vegas to go into Indianapolis and win this game in any other situation than some COVID problems. Now, this line opened up as a seven and a half. It's down to six and a half in some spots, and you're starting to see it sort of fall. Look, Vegas is a dangerous team. Vegas is a dangerous team, especially when Darren Waller's could be coming back, but their offense just isn't that good. And their defense is generally intact, as is the uh, Indianapolis Colts. So you start to look at this game and you go, you know, what kind of drop-off do you have if the Colts are missing a guy like Carson Wentz? What kind of drop-off do you have in a spot where they might be missing some offensive linemen? Well, Max Crosby can get after the passer. That we absolutely know. But can the Raiders do any damage on offense? Their offense has been horrendous five of the last six weeks. They have just really not been able to do anything. Well, the Colts' defense is really stepping up and playing right at the right moment. And you talk about, you know, who the Colts are in that intestinal fortitude, so to speak. The Colts have been playing up to levels of competition. The Colts are also beating the teams that they're supposed to be beating. I think playing at home in this spot, the Colts are going to pull out a win. It might be the pure Jonathan Taylor show. It might be a little Naeem Hines, a little bit more than you're used to. It might be some wildcat maybe some trick plays, but I think that this is more of a defensive thing than anything else. I think the Colts defensively are going to have to crack down and put a clamp down on a guy like Darren Waller. Force the Raiders to run the ball, which they just simply cannot do. You look at the box score week in and week out, 67 yards rushing, 65 yards rushing, 55 yards rushing, 70 yards rushing. I mean, that's what they're doing. Force them to run the ball. Force them to attempt to run the ball. You could slow this game down. I don't feel confident laying a touchdown with the question marks surrounding Indy but I do feel comfortable that they will get the win despite whoever is going to be out there. Giants in Chicago, uh, Justin Fields probably going to get the start. If he doesn't, we've watched Nick Foles play effectively at times. On the other side, we're still waiting to see, I don't know, anything from Jake Fromm. And you look at Jake Fromm, you look at what the Giants are, they're a mess. And this tells you something because the defense is a mess. You look at the defense, um, you know, by Chicago, they were all kinds of injured. You look at who's coming back and what they're doing, though. 
And they're getting back. Eddie Jackson is back for this one. Hakeem Hicks came back last week. Roquan Smith has been banged up for two weeks, but he's been playing effectively. So the Bears' defense is getting a little bit better, a little bit healthier, even if they are a little bit banged up. The Giants' defense doesn't look too good right now. The Giants' defense at times this year have looked decent and looked effective. Right now where they stand, not so much. The New York Giants are in a position where you can take advantage of them. Who can take advantage, though? Usually creative playmakers. I don't know if the Bears have that on their team. Matt Nagy is a guy that took over the play calling, and he was unable to do anything with it. The Bears need to open up the playbook, but I've been saying that time and time again. I don't feel comfortable laying any points with the Bears here. Because they won't do that. They just simply are not opening up the playbook. And the Chicago Bears are in a position where they are, you know, they're trying to win in a way that doesn't fit their team. That is always a difficult spot to lay six points with. Jets, Tampa, huge line, 13 points for Tampa Bay. And they are going on the road. Look, Wilson is talented. And Wilson can create. And Wilson can do a bunch of stuff. And the Jets might be feisty and all of that. But the Jets can't run the ball anyway. So this is going to be a passing clinic, or so we think. Wilson does make mistakes. The thing is, on the other side, the Jets, you know, you can run the ball on New York, but I don't think Brady and company even attempt too many rushes here. I think this is going to be a Brady game where he dinks and dunks them to death. I cannot lay 13 points in any game on the road in an NFL game. I don't care who it is. I don't care what the matchup problems are. I just can't do it. And in this spot, you see that again. It's an inflated line. Tampa Bay should beat them. Tampa Bay might shut them out. I mean, that's how crazy this defense needs to be. Look, this defense right now, we know that they won the Super Bowl last year because of this defense. Well, this defense right now, they've not been playing well. They are waiting for that signature win against the Jets, cold weather, maybe nasty up in New York. This could be that signature defensive win for them. But I can't go out there and say, you know, I think that they're going to destroy him by 13. 13 is a lot of points. Same thing with Buffalo. Buffalo, this line is up over two touchdowns, 14 and a half for 15. Again, the Buffalo defense is the second best defense in the NFL scoring against. I don't think Atlanta's scoring all day. They can't run the ball, and that's what Buffalo does poorly. They don't defend the run too well, but that's against Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. That's against the New England Patriots running attack. The Buffalo Bills, other than that, they create turnovers. Now, Matt Ryan only has one interception in the last five weeks, sure, but they create turnovers, and you can run on them. Well, Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis doesn't strike fear in anyone. So I think this is a Bills defensive game, but on the other side, Atlanta, they can be taken advantage of on the defensive side. I expect Josh Allen to have a big game running around out there, creating some things, but the Buffalo Bills are starting to find a little bit of an offensive groove when they start to run the ball. Singletary can run it, and he can be effective here against an Atlanta front that is susceptible to running the ball. But I keep saying running the ball, and I think Atlanta has to try to run the ball, and I think that the Buffalo Bills are going to try to run it. Well, if you're playing running in defense, you don't want to be laying 15 points or 14 and a half points, whatever the number might be. You don't want to be laying more than two touchdowns. I don't care that it's at home. If you're laying two touchdowns, and by the way, you have a total here sitting at 43 or so, if you're laying two touchdowns, you're expecting basically Atlanta to get shut out, maybe score eight you know, a garbage touchdown or so. That's a lot to ask for this position of this, you know, after coming off a huge emotional win for this Buffalo Bills team. Arizona and Dallas. Last time we saw Arizona, they were just making a mess of themselves. I mean, it, it was an awful showing, and it's been an awful showing for about the last month for Arizona. And Dallas, well, they looked as good as they've ever looked. 
But are we surprised? Washington came in with nine starters on COVID. Washington came in with the third worst passing defense against in the NFL. Dak Prescott goes out there. He is now eight and one against this team. He beats the team on average by 14 points. Dallas went out there. They blitzed them right away, uh, put up a big number, and then Washington couldn't come back. I'm not saying that Dallas didn't deserve that win, but that is that one signature win where every single thing went right. I don't know if everything goes right here against Arizona, but it's really hard for a sports better to go on Arizona after what you watched, not last week, not two weeks ago, but for the last month. For the last month, Cliff Kingsbury just hasn't had answers, and it seems like the league has figured him out. And not only figured him out, but also figured out Murray. Look, Murray's back. Murray's healthy. Murray doesn't look great right now. So the entire team is struggling and sluggish. Now you have to go on the road, take on a red-hot Dallas team that's playing with massive confidence, and forget about Dak Prescott, who I don't think is magically fixed, but that defense is really on fire right now. That could be the difference here. Speaking of defense, Carolina and New Orleans, this total is 37. The Saints want to win with purely defense. Now, the thought is that Hill will be back for this game. If he wasn't, yeah, you can't take New Orleans laying six. That's impossible. But Cam Newton is now 0-13 against the spread in his last 13 starts as a starter. And he could be the starter here. Or they turn to Sam Donald. Or is it going to be Walker? Or maybe I'm getting a start. I mean, this is a ridiculous spot. You can't take Carolina because you don't know who the starting quarterback is. They cannot run the ball. And the Saints defense is very good. But I don't feel comfortable in taking the Saints after all the problems and issues. Now, Sean Payne will be back on the sidelines, so that certainly helps. And they are at home. But do you feel comfortable in a Vision game laying nearly a touchdown with what we watch with the Saints. And I get it. The Saints looked really bad because of COVID, but it wasn't just because of COVID. And that's the same thing I could say about the next game is Philadelphia at Washington. Washington's catching three and a half points at home. Washington has the third worst pass defense in the NFL. Philadelphia has the third worst passing offense in the NFL. So this is going to be strength against strength. Oh, you want to run it? Cool. Well, Landon Collins is also out, so that hurts them. Jalen Hurts is going to have to throw the ball here. But I say this about Washington, just like I just said. Um, Washington, sure, they were dealing with a lot of COVID issues, a lot of COVID problems, but they still didn't look good even despite those problems. Despite those problems, Washington has become, you know, look, a non-playoff team. They had a chance to put up any kind of fight, and they didn't do it. They weren't embarrassed. Do they get embarrassed back at home here against a hated Philadelphia team? I'm not sure. This is a spot where I would like to think that this team could step it up and to play really well, but I don't have any comfortable confidence taking them. It's only three and a half. You know, you you could you could say Washington to play well, but you got to expect Washington to win the game. Philly's been playing well. Philly could run the ball, and if Philly gets a, any kind of a lead, Washington is not coming back from that. Kansas City, Cincinnati, maybe the game of the day here. And I'm going to look at this from a different angle. Sure, Patrick Mahomes against Joe Burrow is going to be the conversation all day long. Travis Kelsey is going to be back. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Oh, Joe Burrow threw 500 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Jamar Chase, maybe the rookie of the year. Oh, we can talk about that. T. Higgins, 200 yards receiving last week. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. And Mixon and Boyd and Kelsey and, and Hill and, oh, sure, Let's talk about the defenses because Kansas City's defense has played really well since week seven. So it's week seven. Kansas City's defense has played exceedingly well. As a matter of fact, they are looking tremendous. And then you turn around and you look at Cincinnati's defense. You go, wait a minute. They're playing really well as, uh, as well. Look, the Kansas City defense right now, where they sit, they're number four in the league in rushing yards against. So Kansas City's going to have to go to the end. You go, oh, yeah, sure. They can definitely do that. But you have to establish some kind of run, and they're not going to be able to do that against Cincinnati. I also do like the Cincinnati back, uh, you know, that, that secondary. 
I think Jesse Bates is very underrated. I think Bell is underrated. I think they, they could pose some problems. Now, you're not going to go one-on-one against Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, but I think they could cause some nightmare problems for Kansas City. I believe Kansas City is a little bit overrated, but I tend to think that Cincinnati is a little overrated after that game as well. The line's five, sort of where I expected it to be. I think that there might be some value in Joe Burrow, who still believes, you know what, the league isn't giving me the credit and giving us the credit that we deserve. Everyone's going to be on KC. They are the Super Bowl favorites at plus four to one. That makes sense. I get it. But this is a Cincinnati statement game. This is a Cincinnati game where, you know what? We are not just, okay, we're going to back in. We are not a fluky team. We're not that team. Watch what we can do. Jacksonville, New England, highest spread of the weekend, which is saying something since we've had a couple double-digit spreads already. 16 and a half at Circa Sports right now. That is a massive number. And I'm tired of backing up Jacksonville. I'm tired of telling you that Trevor Lawrence can still be something special. He's got one touchdown in the last two months. I'm tired of backing my horse to, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who can't do anything out there. They look terrible, but they can stop the run. And that is a spot where New England is going to continue to just just go after them. They're not going to open up Mac Jones and let him throw the ball all day long. Mac Jones has not looked good in about a month. And Mac Jones over the last three games looked you know, pretty pretty bad at times. This is not a throwing team. So it's going to be strength against strength. I do believe that New England strength obviously wins out. I think Belichick has a massive coaching advantage, of course, over interim coach Darren Bevel. I even think that New England has a quarterback advantage where right now in his career, Mac Jones might have a bounce back game and Trevor Lawrence looks lost out there. I get it. Home, court, home field advantage also, but you can't lay 16 and a half points with a team that likes to play defense, likes to play running game, likes to play close games. It might be a nasty game up in Foxborough. Cannot do it. One of the best games of the weekend, Miami, Tennessee, and the Tennessee Titans are now three and a half point favorites over Miami. Watch what, look, we all watched what Miami did to New Orleans, but let's not make that too much. They have won six games in a row going into that. They beat a backup, backup, backup quarterback, a guy that was like, you know, it should have even been in the league. That's what they did. And Miami handled their business, so you can't say take anything away from it. Now this is the real test. Go on the road in a tough place in Tennessee and go beat Tennessee. Now Miami's beaten bad quarterbacks in their seven-game winning streak. I mean bad quarterbacks in their seven-game winning streak. Most of these guys shouldn't be starters. But I'm not sure Ryan Tannehill is much better than half of these guys. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is having a terrible year. Ryan Tannehill has more interceptions and touchdowns thrown since Derrick Henry went down, which seems forever ago. This team can't get an established running game either. So they are getting some players back and their defense is very good. They also do have a couple of extra days where Miami's playing on a short week. All of that makes sense to take Tennessee. But I think that there's something going on right now in Miami that is just special. The Waddle and Gazeki matchup nightmare is just something special. And two is playing really well. He's got over 100 QBR over the last month of the season. He's playing really well. I expect this to be a low-scoring game. That is the total of sitting there at 40, and that makes sense. Low-scoring game, lots of time off the clock, really good defense. In a spot like that, I always lean the points in a defensive game like that. But this could be kind of that Tennessee, hey, we're back, and let's just got, you know, kind of get out of this game with a win, establish that we win this division and get ready for the playoffs. Denver Chargers, Denver is in a spot where I continue to back this team up. I think they have a very good defense. I like their their running backs. I love the duo of Williams and Gordon. I like their receivers. They're underutilized, but I like them. And I do like everything about this team except the most important position, and that is quarterback. Drew Locke is a problem. And now on the Chargers, well, Justin Herbert, Eckler, I don't know what happened to you guys last week. Okay, yeah, you were out. You are banged up COVID. No, no, no. 
the problem is, is that you lost to Houston. I don't care how it got done. You lost to Houston. Now, you can also blame the defense. They still have the worst rushing defense in the NFL. Well, you think Denver's going to have a field day there? Williams and Gordon should have a lot of success. I think that this is the put up or shut up time for the Chargers. If you want to consider yourself a contender, you want to be a playoff team, you must win this game. This is an elimination game. I tend to think that the Chargers are going to do that. I think that they do win, but Denver is just just good enough to run the ball into existence of a win because they could just run it and run it and run it, and the Chargers can't stop anybody. San Francisco-Houston, talking about that Houston game, look, they're getting 13 points here against San Francisco, and you look at Houston and you go, over the last month of the season, has anybody played with more grit? With any Anybody played with more moxie? And Houston's playing well. They let go of Zach Cunningham about a month ago, and they're playing better on defense. They lost all kinds of players on offense. Davis Mills actually looks like a serviceable quarterback. He looks so good, some Houston people are going, you know what, let's see what he can do next year. Uh, Houston is getting 13 points in a spot where they should lose this game. San Francisco is good. San Francisco did just lose, even though Jimmy Garoppolo uh, had a terrible game. They still shouldn't be losing games like that, but they do have extra time to prepare, and they are at home. They should win this game. But Houston, I've watched enough of them this year to say they're feisty. They're the kind of team that you don't expect to be in this race, that you don't expect them to be in it, yet they're seemingly going to be in every game. I can't lay double digits against this Houston team. I can't believe I'm saying that. But for some reason, they are playing hard, they're playing well, and they're, they are a nasty team to go up against here late in the season with almost nothing to play for for anybody. Seattle, Detroit, Detroit, I've been saying that about, about Detroit all year long, right? Injuries, problems, backup quarterbacks, backup running backs, no tight end is out, your defense is out, your best cornerback is out. Yeah, they're still playing tough. Um, they are playing tough week in and week out. And in Seattle, look, their season is over. Russell Wilson has looked good since he's come back the last couple of weeks. But again, the defense is still a problem. It's still 30th against the pass, even though they are you know, only fourth worst against giving up points. So they are bend but don't break defense. Detroit is a team that's playing just out of their minds, above their athleticism, above their talent, above their everything else. And when you're going up against a bad defense like this, maybe they might pull some stuff out. They might be pulling out some trick plays and things like that. Dangerous team to be laying points against. Rams, Baltimore cannot make an assessment in this game unless we know if Lamar Jackson is playing or not, or if Huntley's playing or not. You know, you go with a third stringer. This, this is uh, Rams all the way, Rams by 20. Lamar Jackson could put a different kind of wrinkle in here. We all know that. And or even Huntley could put a different kind of wrinkle in here. I don't love going across country, giving points to a team that can be very dangerous like that. So we have to know the status of the quarterback to have any kind of say in this game. Now, I think that Matthew Stafford will also just have a fantastic game. The Baltimore secondary is banged up, broken, and awful. I think I could throw for 300 yards on them. So Stafford should have a really good game. But they're going to have to do more than just that. They're going to have to be able to kind of stop the run. And right now, you're looking at a team that I I don't know if they're going to be able to stop the run. The Rams have some problems. And you can not pass on them short. They're 26th in pass defense. But you can't go after Ramsey. Well, this is the kind of team that can frustrate them because we don't need the one-on-one matchup with your best cornerback because they don't have that number one wide receiver. Could be Brown, could be Bateman, but it's really Andrews, and you're not going to put Ramsey on Andrews. So Lamar Jackson to Andrews could feast on them all day long. I don't like giving the points here with the Rams. Green Bay, Minnesota, one thing that I never do in my entire career is bet against Aaron Rodgers in December at all. You just don't do it. It's a foolhardy task. He's got like 60 touchdowns to like five or six interceptions in December at home. He is just a different player. But Minnesota tends to play him close. Minnesota has played 
13 of their 14 games, the last 14 games this year, uh, by one-score games. This is a one-score game. Spread is seven. All right, you know, I, I think Green Bay wins this game. But I do know that Minnesota, in cold weather, can be that effective team. They have 46 sacks on the year. 12 teams don't have 30. Okay, so Minnesota's going to get after the quarterback. They're going to pressure Rodgers. Rodgers can find some of those nightmare problems. Or do they decide to just run the ball? And if you're running the ball against a Minnesota team, you can have a lot of success. They can't stop the run. So I expect, you know, a guy like Jones to have a big game. I expect a guy like Dylan to have a pretty big game. When you're talking about a running game that is running game on both sides of the ball, and you're going to be running the ball, and you're going to be going at it like that in cold weather, playing defense, again, Defensive games tend to favor the underdog. Getting points is always a good situation here, especially in prime time, even though Kirk Cousins can't win in prime time. In Green Bay, in a division game, I just won't bet against Aaron Rodgers in December at home. And then the last game is Monday night. This is an elimination game. Cleveland-Pittsburgh. Cleveland is three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Steelers. And one thing we know is you never bet against Ben Roethlisberger when he's taken on Cleveland. Look, there are stat, uh, stats here, statistics that will scream and jump off the page. The Pittsburgh Steelers can't stop the run. They will give up about 145 yards per game on the ground. The Cleveland Browns are going to run the ball down their throat. Nick Chubb is going to have a fantastic game. We know that. Stefanski's smiling ear to ear. He loves the idea of just being able to run all day. That's what he loves. Najee Harris is going to have a difficult time running against Miles Garrett and this front defense. So it's going to be up to... Big Ben. Well, good thing that Big Ben is 25-2-1 in his career against Cleveland. And you can look back and say, well, it's a new year. It's a new thing. Look, Big Ben is playing his last primetime game at home in front of that stadium. I tend to think if he's got anything left in the tank, and I mean anything left in the tank, he can exploit that Cleveland secondary. He may be under pressure. It may not be pretty at times with Big Ben, but I can't bet against a guy that is going to Hall of Fame. I can't bet against a guy that has owned this franchise, and I can't bet against a guy in this spot at home in prime time that is also getting points. I'm not telling you that I love Pittsburgh in this spot, but I see that everybody does love Cleveland. And for good reason, they could run the ball all day and their defense is fantastic. But guys, there's something to just something about the idea of a all-time great player in an all-time great stadium in prime time elimination game against a rival team. That means, you know what? He may just step up. It might be the Big Ben goodbye tour where Cleveland eliminates him. And how much, how, how fitting would that be? He's owned Cleveland his entire career and they kind of eliminate him from his career. It could be that way. But I tend to think Big Ben's going to step up and have a pretty good game here. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Enjoy 2022. It's a year we're all going to make some big time money. I can tell you that 2021 has been absolutely fantastic for everybody here at SGN. Gary Polskowski, myself, have a very happy and healthy new year. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.